0: Hello, and welcome to Afternoonified, the podcast where it's all in your head. I'm Sarah. And I'm you. Okay, I hate this. Let's start over. (laughs) Did you you have another cold open written, or... No, I was gonna, like I told you in the text, I was gonna punch that one up at some point in the last couple of days, and then I just didn't. It's It's been Very phoned in cold open, everybody. You're welcome for this peek behind the curtain. I don't know. There was one where we just made fart noises, so like... I mean, there is that. It is not as great as the Mothman cold open. Nothing ever will be. That cold open was so good, it had crossover (laughs) into other podcasts on the network. I also like the one where uh, I lit things on fire for real. (laughs) I've had better cold opens is what I'm saying. (laughs) It happens. It's it's normal, Sarah. The episode, though, the episode is going to be good. I hope so. And you know how I know it's good? Because you wrote it? Yes. But also, we're going to start it with a ghost story. I do love a good ghost story not halloween anymore when this is going to be released but this is still a halloween episode and i talked for 15 minutes about a witch that doesn't exist (laughs) in some public bathrooms so spoilers (laughs) that's next week's mini teaser (laughs) remember when we did like an evp thing in that bathroom at at the landmark center yeah i think that episode is still up on the boo ha ha feed yeah probably go listen to that if you really want us to uh, if you want to listen to us talk more i guess I mean, we saw either a very real ghost in the woods or a very big squirrel. (laughs) It was a squirrel. It was an owl, Sarah. So what's the ghost story? What's this episode about, actually? Okay, so first I'm going to list my sources. Uh, You have not said what the episode is about. Well, they've seen it in the title and also it's revealed in the ghost story, so. Okay. Shh. Okay. (laughs) Shh. I didn't know we were doing, like, a cold open Um. Another one. I mean, everyone already knows what the episode is because you're going to put it in the title. But um, I'm going to leave it as a surprise for you, even though you also already know what it's going to be the one time I don't put it in the title. (laughs) It's going to be titled Sarah's Cool Story. Take that, SEO. (laughs) Fuck you. All right. So my sources of this, I got most of this from an article called The Haunting of Girlstown by Daniel Hernandez. And that was in Vox, I think, back in May. And I've literally been saving this like since then because I read it and I thought I need to do a podcast on this. That article was horrifying. It's go read the whole thing. Like I'm not now, (laughs) but no, not right now. What the podcast should be, what is should is I should just go back and read that whole article beginning to end because that's better than anything I'm going to do. Sarah, we're not crime junkie. We have to punch it up. Zing. <laughs> but anyway, like, so go. Like, there's beautiful, like, art and everything. Like, the whole story is completely horrifying. Go read it.
1: <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, Do
0: it. I hate it. Let's go. Okay. Um, also, some from Psychology Today, the British Psy- British Psychological Society and our good old friend, Wikipedia. So about that ghost story. About that ghost story. Sometime back in 2006, a girl named Maria made a Ouija board. She and her classmates would conjure spirits late at night on the roof of their dormitory well after the evening lights went out. The girls were students at Villa de las Niñas, or Girlstown, a Catholic boarding school on the outskirts of Mexico City. It was run by the Sisters of Mary an Order of Nuns from South Korea. The aim of the school was to provide education to some of Mexico's poorest girls particularly those coming from isolated and rural areas of the country. The sisters offered their students four years of free education, housing, and meals. And for many of the girls, like, this was the opportunity of a lifetime. This was, like, actual hope for, like, an actual future. Yeah. Also, you can feel free to interrupt the story. It's not like Sorry, a I'm, I'm riveted. <laughs> I'm very good. Uh, the school was also incredibly strict. So most new students, including, yeah, most, n- nuns ran it. So if that tells you anything. <laughs> uh, but new students, some girls as young as twelve, could bring nothing with them but the clothes that they were wearing. On arrival, they were searched, and personal possessions were confiscated. The nuns checked armpits, faces, and bikini lines for any signs that the girls may have waxed their hair. What? Uh, and if, yep. <laughs> and if evidence were found, if evidence was found, those girls were expelled on the spot. You don't want them to be too worldly. What if they have that like werewolf disease? <laughs> You know the one I'm talking about. I know which one you're talking about, but I feel like also if you have that werewolf disease, you definitely need free schooling. (laughs) Fair. The girls would be given the same uniform and they also got the same short haircut, two fingers below the ears. That's the haircut I get. (laughs) Once at the school, they were expected to celebrate their birthdays on the same day, which is the anniversary of the school's founding. They could not receive letters or they could they could receive letters, but they weren't allowed to write any. Phone calls were forbidden, even to family, and they were only allowed to go home for two weeks in the summer and two weeks at Christmas. Remember, these are like teenage girls. Yeah, I mean, as an adult, that doesn't sound like <laughs> terrible. I mean, that's I, I don't think I'd want to go home for two weeks straight. But like, oh, you only get you only have to go home twice a year. Yeah, you know, if I could spread that out over... <laughs> <laughs> Only one daughter from each family was allowed to attend, and emotional connections of any kind were discouraged. So, like, if a girl got too close to a certain floor mother, they would be reassigned to a Are different they... dormitory. They're fucking making Jedis, Sarah. That's how the Jedis live. Yeah, and the girls got cool telecon... No.
1: Any they were hint... born with
0: that. Any hint of affection between two students also meant separation. So they, like, they didn't want you to have friends. They didn't want you to have, like mentors they what the hell were, you supposed to were do? there for school you were there to learn and uh pray Ugh. so black magic which many of these girls probably believe the ouija board was would obviously be also forbidden uh, but for some time the nuns remained completely oblivious to maria's nighttime activities they were primarily south korean and they never like encountered a ouija board before like after someone told the mother superior about this, she had no idea what they were talking about. They don't have Ouija boards in South Korea. I guess not, or at least like these. This particular like school of nuns would just did not have the cultural awareness to know what a Ouija board was. I mean, it's not like one of my person like personality high points, but the most I know about South Korea is based on a viewing a Parasite and then uh, an episode of South Asian or like Asian street food on Netflix. So like Yeah, that sounds about right for like typical American knowledge of another me? country. Many Come here. You're gonna freak me out during this episode. She's me. so sweet. No, she's not. <laughs> Keep going. So it was only after Maria used her otherworldly connections to ask the spirits to intercede in an upcoming school wide basketball tournament that the word of her magic made its way to the Mother Superior Mother Superior and Maria was expelled. So the story goes. That when Maria was removed from her dorm, something weird happened. Oh, really? A wind, quote unquote, I think it's in quotes in the article as well, blew through the room uh, and slammed a door on Maria's finger, slicing off the end of it. No, nope, I was going to make a fart joke there, but I don't. Don't. <laughs> uh, blood sprayed to the stairwell and trailed down the hall as Maria was taken away. And as she left, she cast a curse. Every one of you in my generation who accused me or thought badly of me will fall sick. You will be sick in your legs. You will not be able to walk. You will be cursed. I mean, this might be like a uh, Regina George and Mean Girls thing where she's just saying this shit because she knows it's going to like upset them. Also fair. Here's the thing, though. Girls began to fall sick. Uh, at the beginning, they complained of a piercing sensation in their legs. Others experienced nausea and fevers. As the pain became more intense, walking became difficult and some girls started talking of suicide. Uh, one girl's report read, it started like pricks. And my legs hurt like they screeched, and all of a sudden they couldn't stand up. When I tried, my legs would buckle. So that's not great. Yeah, it, it isn't. I mean, in the outbreak, it just like it kept spreading. So between October 2006 and June 2007, more than 500 students, one teacher, and some of the sisters fell victim to this bizarre contagion. Wait, one of the nuns? One of the uh, one teacher and a couple of the nuns. I think it didn't specify a number, but lots of interesting. Uh, state and federal inspectors were sent to test the food, the water, the soil. The results showed nothing unusual. The girls were tested for all sorts of maladies and infections, and nothing was found. Uh, tales, and- tales of ghosts and hauntings soon followed. Girls reported seeing shadows and hearing children crying. Well, some saw the spirits of girls hanging in the hallway. Hmm. It's not elaborated what that means, but it doesn't sound great. Uh, others saw babies with red eyes covered in blood in their umbilical cords still attached. That it, mm. Others encountered, this is my favorite, the ghostly visage of a former student dressed in white who would, who would appear suddenly on the stairs bleeding from her mouth. That's fun. Isn't it great? Like, from the outside, this sounds <laughs> very fun and like a very good film. This will be a movie someday, actually, I think. Not all the apparitions were malevol- malevolent. I can say that word. So one night when many of the sick girls had been gathered together on one floor... Uh, word began to spread that a nun by the name of Mother C. Lolly was moving among the beds and massaging the legs of each of the girls one by one. She wore a veil and didn't speak. The girls who saw her were insistent that the woman wasn't actually Mother C. Lolly at all, but a vision in white. Uh, and the next day they decided that they had been visited by the Virgin Mary. See, this is like if Woman in Black 2 had been, like, good. Yeah. like Remember that movie? Woman in Black meets the Grudge. But, like, the original grudge? Yeah. Quality. (laughs) Imagine if that movie had been good. (laughs) Imagine if a lot of movies had been good. Uh. (laughs) The mother superior called for an exorcism, but it didn't seem to work. Uh, Soon the media had heard of the mysterious happenings at the school. Uh, Local reports hinted at allegations of mistreatment and worried parents began to travel hundreds of miles just to take their girls home. Finally, the Mexican government sent a psychiatrist, Dr. Nashiala Loa Zavala, to investigate. Uh, She interviewed the infected students about their sickness, their experiences, the life they had left behind to come to boarding school. And she, like, her whole goal was to trace the manifestations of their physical symptoms back to what she suspected were psychological triggers. Sounds about right. Girls began to improve, their symptoms disappeared, and Loa Zavala found her explanation. The The students at Girlstown weren't sick, and they weren't haunted. They were experiencing mass hysteria. I mean, yeah, and I assume that talking to a therapist about some of the the things that were wrong, like, helped. Generally speaking, yeah. I think, I know a lot of girls, like, just ended up going home. I think they said they sent home, like, 300 in that time. And, like, 500 got sick, so I'm not sure, like, what the crossover was there. But it sounds like once, like, she sat down with them, at least, like, the people or the girls she was able to sit down with and actually, like, counsel, their symptoms just kind of disappeared. Now, I'm not going to say this as a generalized statement about Catholic institutions of education. However, it seems like the stricter ones fuck the kids up the most. Yeah, and that's kind of part of it. We'll get into that in a little bit, but Ooh. It's, not, it's not a great environment in general. Yeah, that's not a good environment to be a child in. No. So, mass hysteria, otherwise known as mass psychogenic illness, sometimes epidemic hysteria, is the rapid spread of illness, science, and symptoms affecting members of a population where there is no viral or bacterial agent responsible for the contagion. It's distinct from other types of, t- types of de- collective delusions in that, like, the people who suffer from it actually exhibit physical symptoms. Like COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many anxiety attacks have you had that have simulated all the symptoms of (laughs) COVID-19? It took me a very long time to realize that the reason I was waking up with a sore throat is because I sleep with the window open. Huzzah! Love anxiety. It's cool. Uh, Yeah, and that's typically what you'll see in mass hysteria is episodes of acute anxiety or abnormalities in motor behavior. So losing the ability to walk. Uh, The DSM, which is like the Diagnostic Statistical Manual published by uh, the American Psychiatric Association, that's their big book. They're a great book where they keep track of all the things. Yeah. Uh, They don't categorize mass hysteria as a condition on its own, uh, but it is described under, under the diagnostic category of conversion disorder, which is typically applied to patients who present with neurological symptoms, often weakness and paralysis like the Girlstown case, that can be traced back to a psychological trigger. So it is all in their heads, but it's still, essentially yeah. Just because it's in your head doesn't mean it's not real. Yes. In cases of mass hysteria, are assumed to be conversion disorder, just like on a large scale, like to the point where like the symptoms spread throughout a population. Um, however, it isn't well understood, and its diagnosis in its diagnosis is often very contentious. Um, so, if you're going to diagnose a group of people with mass psychogenic illness. It's going to be a diagnosis of exclusion, which means it's only going to come when all other possible physical factors have been ruled out. You can not hey, just uh, like Spock diagnosis, if you will. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you might notice some similarity there from our episode on female hysteria, uh, which is also often diagnosed when old-timey doctors presented with a female patient uh attributed all her physical or psychological symptoms to being born with a uterus. <laughs> uh conversion disorder similarly does have a history being diagnosed like that that history is there we should acknowledge that but it also like as of now as we currently understand it it does exist as a legitimate psychological phenomenon. Cool. Not that that can't change in like two decades of course. But it's also like less like we've observed it in like Studied it and it isn't just like there's like been recent scholarship on it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. It, it kind of sounds like in the uh, like 60s and 70s when we kind of realized what multiple personality disorder was, and then that was like a huge fucking thing. And then after you know a couple decades, we actually understand it. Yeah, yeah, we're getting there. It's still like, yeah, it's not completely we've got it and we figured it out, but that's like anything to do with the brain. Like, we don't really know, <laughs> we are working off best guesses. <laughs> In most of the case so Lois zavala who is a psychiatr- psychiatrist in the girlstown case she describes mass hysteria as an audio visual contagion so you have to actually see and hear someone exhibiting symptoms in order to find yourself replicating them so there's like there's a recent case back in 2012 um, where a teenage girl in leroy new york she posted a video of herself on youtube that showed her exhibiting symptoms similar to that of tourette's uh, after the video went viral more than a dozen teenage girls developed the same symptoms as did a 36-year-old woman who began showing signs of illness after she learned about the original girl's story on Facebook. This is why Facebook is killing everything. <laughs> this is why one jungle on Facebook. But, like, the, the, that's the idea. So these girls just saw a video of someone with Tourette's? I think the original girl didn't have Tourette's, just that she had symptoms similar to that. So I think hers was also a conversion disorder. But the fact is that, like, It's more that they, having visually seen her case of conversion disorder, developed one of their own. Okay. Yep. Very cool, right? Not really. (laughs) So, like, that's the thing. Is like anyone is susceptible. Even Lois Zavala, that psychiatrist, after spending hours speaking with the afflicted girls at Girlstown, began to feel symptoms herself in her legs. Like, and she was able to kind of, like, coax herself out of it because she knew what was happening and, like, understood that. But it still didn't, like... Yeah, that's crazy. she still experienced kind of the same thing. Yeah, uh, conversion disorder tends to occur most frequently in societies with repressive social systems. Oh, there we go that discourage individuals from openly expressing their own feelings and emotions. There it is, <laughs> both towards others and just justy in general. You'll see this a lot in outbreaks of mass hysteria. It was true of Girlstown, Town, um, where there were of course were strict rules and an expectation for conformity. There also seems to be like some prevalence among women and girls, and I don't think that's necessarily because there's something inherent in our biology that makes us more susceptible. But I think it's just like our position within societies as lar- uh, at large. And we, can- we pay more attention to shit. We pay more attention to shit, but also like mass hysteria. So the theory is that like mass hysteria tends to affect people of low status in society. And if they don't have any way to really express themselves, it's going to come out as conversion disorder. I mean, that also kind of explains the whole Salem Witch Trial thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've got like Salem Witch Trial is listed. I don't talk about it later because we have a whole episode on that. Look, we're working on we're working on it. <laughs> It's going to be a thing, but um, that's definitely list. You'll, if you Google like cases of mass hysteria, that's always going to come up as one of the big ones. It was that or it was And it's definitely, God. yeah, one of the theories as to how to explain it. Um, Mothman was mass hysteria, not the conversion disorder kind of mass hysteria, but probably a little bit of mass hysteria. Things like that. Uh, if I mass hysteria, you mean a really big owl? <laughs> Originally an owl perpetuated by mass hysteria that's my r- official theory <laughs> i'm glad you took a hard stance on mothman <laughs> but yeah so like i think because women are often like expected to kind of repress their feelings and fit into a certain box i think that leaves that was the point i was trying to make with the women and girls thing now but, I, I see yeah. your point but like men are weirdly encouraged to not like show emotion or talk about their feelings and stuff this is also true In that they aren't immune to it but I also think, like, they also, like, hold a higher position in society, in, like, patriarchal societies, which, you know, the patriarchy. <laughs> so, like, I don't think it – it doesn't hit them quite the same way. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Like, I'm not saying it, it's not that – I'm just – it's – yeah. In not that they don't experience it either because they definitely do and have. Brains are weird. Yeah. So, yeah, I, w- I, I definitely see it as both, like, a psychological thing and, like, a sociological there's some that sociological component to it as well. This is just me spitballing. This isn't like research I've read. <laughs> um, trauma can also act as a psychological trigger. It doesn't even have to be like recent. So like at girl's town by design, like many of the students were coming from homes rife with poverty and abuse. Like that's the people they wanted to help. So that was the people who wound up at the school. Yeah. Um, and it was only when Lois Zavala was able to get the girls talking about these issues that their symptoms began to improve. So, like, the environment at the school definitely helped trigger their conversion disorder. Like, the trauma went much deeper than just their experiences at Girlstown. Like, you'll even, like, see in the article, like, a lot of girls think back positively to their time at Girlstown. (laughs) Like, it sounds terrible to me, but, like, they also, like, considering the life they were coming from and what kind of Girlstown promised to them, I can see why they would. Well, I mean, yeah, if... Even if it wasn't better than what they would have had at home, they were told consistently that it was going to be a better life than what they had at home. So you have to, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, even like just clinging to that hope, like, like, yes, this is rough, but this is going to help me get out of this and it's temporary pain for a better life. Yeah. So, all right. So let's talk about some other cases of mass hysteria. Have you heard of the Dancing Plague of 1518? (laughs) Yes, I have. And it's dumb. (laughs) <laughs> but, it's like, fun, dumb. It's fun, dumb. I I do enjoy the story. Uh, in 1518, there was a sudden outbreak of fervent dancing in Strasbourg, which was at that time the Holy Roman Empire. Nowadays, it's France. Now, wouldn't I'm pretty sure that that was about the release date of Kesha's TikTok. So. 1518? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that tracks. Uh so it began with a single woman dancing in the streets. She just downloaded TikTok. Yeah, definitely. To her phone. <laughs> the sound the song, not the app for the youths. Oh god. There was a- Oh god. There's there are people out there who think it's an app. I mean it is an app, but There are probably kids on TikTok born after the song TikTok Don't. was released. <laughs> no. When it actually when was out? TikTok released? TikTok, Kasha. Oh god, just it was 2009. 2009. So okay. yeah. I hope there's no 11-year-olds on TikTok. There's 11-year-olds but... on TikTok. There has to be. Uh, anyway. so God, it started I'm so old. <laughs> it started with a single woman. Uh, she was joined initially uh, by a group of other young women, and they had her hundreds of men, women, and children who were suddenly seized by the compulsion to dance. Uh, they danced for hours, even days, without pausing to rest or eat. Long enough, allegedly, that some <laughs> of them even danced themselves to death. So there I'm pretty are some- sure dance yourself to death is a Lady Gaga song though. <laughs> Probably. That sounds about right. Uh so there are some sources that claim that the dancing plague like killed fifteen people a day, just like they danced themselves to exhaustion. Uh but of course, these accounts all come from later retellings of the story and no contemporary sources make note of any deaths. Yeah, I don't think anyone's keeping super close medical records in 1518 or whatever. No, probably not. Uh, ergot poisoning, of course, has been suggested as the cause because it's everyone's favorite theory for everything. Uh, and it does seem possible. I mean... It was 1518. Bread was scarce. Best buy dates hadn't been invented yet. Thank you. <laughs> um, but it does seem to be a better example of like mass psychogenic illness. Uh, these were not particularly great years to be a medieval peasant in Alsace. Uh, it was probably an especially bad time to be a woman in that region. One might argue it has never been a good time period to be a medieval peasant. No, generally not. Uh, the region was riddled with starvation and disease. And the people there tended towards superstition. So, of course, you're going to think there's some weird curse that's making all these people dance. It's probably the devil. And if I watch it, I will also get cursed. And, yeah, oh, shit, now I'm dancing. Wasn't there an episode of Lore recently uh, from about this time period where something weird happened and someone was like, oh, I bet it was, like, Tina. She's probably a witch. And then they just fucking killed Tina. Yeah. I mean, that's what they do. And then, and then her husband, <laughs> like, yeah, we got her. Let's get Rick, too. Let's Might as well. Two birds with one stone. They're definitely open. werewolves. <laughs> this, so the one in 1518, this wasn't the only dancing plague in the medieval era. Like, uh, in 1374, there were dozens of towns along the River Rhine that were affected with a similar, similar compulsion to dance. Like, this was just a thing that happened for a couple of centuries. Every once in a while, like, a town would get seized by a dancing plague. <sighs> There's a joke there. Um... I think, I think we made all our dancing jokes with the TikTok. Was ELO on tour? I don't <laughs> For a couple of centuries in the Middle Ages? Yeah. I don't know why I picked that band, but here we are. <laughs> um, so speaking of the mid- medieval era, it also wasn't a great time to be a nun. <laughs> so you'll see like dozens of cases of mass hysteria taking place at convents and nunneries at this time. Are you going to talk about the Devils of Ludon? yep cool Because yep. this one's real fucking this one's stupid. real great uh and most of them are described in either like legal records a the theological test taz- texts they're described as cases of mass possession is generally what they're framed as more likely than not uh it's not the devil it's not goody proctor it's it's probably mass psychogenic illness uh so there's one case back from the middle ages which is dubiously sourced Um, but it's my favorite story so i'm going to repeat it anyway there was a nun who lived at a french convent and she began to meow like a cat and soon had all the other nuns meowing like cats along with her and eventually they would all meow together for a certain period of time every day it was a new kind of gregorian chant but ladies could do this one (laughs) they only stopped when they were threatened with a whipping (laughs) so that 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 sounds fun (laughs) That's more fun than some of the other nun based mass hysteria cases. Yeah. Uh, like the following a more famous case uh, is that of the Loudown nunnery in southern France. In uh, the mother superior there, uh, Jean de Agnès, I can't pronounce French. Uh, Sister Jean. Uh, Sister Jean, yeah. Uh, she was super horny. Yeah, she was also, like, 25 and, like, hot, but kind of had a hunchback, so it was a real (laughs) weird vibe. So you probably know this story better than me. I know this story very well. So Jean was super horny for a local priest named Father Grandier. Uh, And there's probably few people in history quite as sexually repressed as a Catholic nun in 15th century France. But not Father Grandier, (laughs) who got it on with a lot of people. Yeah, he was kind of this nun. (laughs) He was kind of a slut, right? He was a horn dog. Accordingly, Jean's feelings for Father Grandier brought a deep sense of guilt and shame. After weeks of attempted penance, she fell into a dissociative state and accused Grandier of plotting with Satan to make her lust after him. Which is also what I would accuse Chris Evans of. <laughs> Every day. Um, uh, yeah, there are a lot of balls in the air in this story. Uh, <laughs> Feel free to chime in with any fun details that I'm missing. Well, there was a small coalition of people, including uh, Grandier's best friend, who was like a higher up in the town that he was from, who found out that he had like gotten his daughter pregnant. <clears throat> so they like banded together because they all hated this dude. And they're like, we have to find a way to take him down and then they found sister jean sister jean got the job done yeah uh, within several within days several other nuns within the convent also began acting out uh they would do stuff like lift their habits and simulate sex uh <laughs> they claimed to be possessed by demons and their demons often had lewd names like stick, fornication and my favorite ash-colored pussy which is not i could feel quite as your catchy. insides contract <laughs> as you said those words <laughs> Fornication might be my favorite one. Just a demon named sex. (laughs) A demon called sex is my favorite Marilyn Manson album. So we can now look back at this and understand that medieval convents were toxic psychological environments. No. Sarah. So there was reform movements at this time that were like striving for a return To the strict spiritual codes of earlier centuries, as if the medieval ages weren't already harsh enough. And that, like, it required that nuns consume, like, really bland food and spurn all vanity and remain chaste and pure while meditating on the evils of Satan. Well, as you know, food with flavor makes you horny. I mean, clearly, it it happened in Lodong. Literally why graham crackers exist is because (laughs) some dude in the 1700s thought, or, like, 1800s, thought that flavor and spice... Made you want to touch yourself. Uh, sisters from noble families who had been consigned to the nunnery on the wishes of their parents probably didn't adjust well to life at the convent. <laughs> Even those like who were there for bias reasons, like they had to go there and think, "I'm not doing, I'm not nunning well enough. I am still going to hell." Well, because you had the the people who were like, "Yes, it is my life's goal to become a nun," which good for you. But like in those times, you got sent to the nunnery for like committing a crime or like having sex before marriage or, or because just like your parents didn't want to like pay to keep you around yeah you didn't get married fast enough and they just put you in the nunnery yeah it wasn't fun for anything anyone around uh it never ends well either you can just ask father grandier who was burned alive after an investigation by the inquisition yeah i mean it was a biased uh inquisition but... i get i from other retellings of the stories it was Less about the mass possession and more of like a political. Oh plot no, that's against exactly him. what it was. But they had the leverage because of right. the whole mass possession thing. They were able to do so because, yep. Yeah. It was a gateway. <laughs> I just I, I can't help but laugh. And I don't know why. It's a really terrible story from beginning to end. I think it's allowed you're allowed to laugh at it if it happened after over a hundred years centuries? ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the Titanic is on its way to being funny. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> All right, so the next one I have is the Tanganyika laughter epidemic of 1962. Well, this doesn't sound obnoxious. In 1962, three girls at a missionary school in Kashasha, Tanzania, began to alternately laugh and cry. The compulsion spread throughout the school, affecting 95 of the 159 pupils, none of the teachers, though. Uh, Along with the uncontrollable laughter, the students suffered from fainting, rashes, screaming, and farting, which is probably... Which is probably why everyone was laughing. (laughs) I almost put it in my notes. Pause for Emily's laughter. I don't know what kind of food they serve in Tanzania, so I can't make any accurate, like, fart jokes. But did they just put a Taco Bell in? Possibly. (laughs) Zing. Uh, It was hacky. Taco Bell (laughs) diarrhea jokes are hacky, and I know it. And I did it anyways. (laughs) I'm kicking you off of the podcast. I don't think you are. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm too lazy to edit. <laughs> <laughs> just talk to yourself for an hour. So this episode, it could have been stress-induced. Uh, students had reported feeling stressed by the high expectations of their teachers and parents. Uh, other theorized it might have been a manifestation of, like, just cultural dissonance um, that these missionary schools introduced. So, like, Tanzania at the time had a very traditional conservative society – and the epidemic was triggered when the schools cha- challenged those beliefs, or at least that's one of the theories. So, like, the, the missionary schools were more liberal? <laughs> more in comparison. Or at least it's, like, not necessarily liberal. It's just, like, bringing new ideas uh, where into, is Tanzania. Yeah. Africa. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, not that doesn't make it make more sense, but. Yeah, and then, if like, if you scroll through the Wikipedia list of mass hysteria cases, which I obviously did, uh, you'll see that, like, a lot happened in or around schools. It seems, like convents, like it seems to be kind of an environment that is particularly conducive to mass hysteria. Like it's got the strict structure. It's got lots of rules, lots of stress. It's lots of impressionable who are, young children. Exactly. Yeah. They're at an impressionable age. They're together a lot. And yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Yep. Uh, so the same year of the laughing epidemic, a mysterious disease broke out in the dressmaking department of a U.S. textile factory. Workers began experiencing numbness, nausea, dizziness, and vomiting, and word began to spread that these symptoms were the result of a bite from a June bug. Uh, I mean, it sounds more like lead poisoning, but... From a textile factory? I guess. Lead was in everything. Let me tell you a thing about hat makers, Sarah. (laughs) Uh, A total of 62 employees would eventually develop symptoms. Some were even hospitalized. Um, but researchers could find no evidence of any insect infestations, or at least not, like, not of June bugs or of any bugs that would have actually caused the symptoms the workers were describing. Is June bug, like, a fancy name or, like, a regional name for, like, an actual bug? I mean, I it's know kind it's kind of like bug. It's kind of like a catch-all name for, like, beetles. Apparently it was a movie starring Amy Adams. That, too. And, uh, looks like John Krasinski or Ben McKenzie. They look the same from a distance. Yeah, it's just a beetle. Yeah, it's a beetle. It's just kind of like a cute name for it uh so not all the workers who had fallen sick even had visible bug bites so researchers eventually concluded that some of the workers might have been bitten by a bug but like the symptoms themselves were just caused by you know good old-fashioned anxiety (laughs) yeah uh in 2006 there was an outbreak of illness in portugal and this affected more than 300 students at 14 schools with symptoms that included rashes difficulty breathing and dizziness when doctors could find no underlying physical cause, their investigation turned up an interesting coincidence. Uh, that the symptoms closely resembled those experienced by characters in a recent episode of a popular television show, Strawberries with Sugar. That—that's the name of the show. That's the name of the show. <laughs> Hold on. I get—I get the impression it's kind of like Portugal's answer to the OC, or it's just like a teen show for teens. A teen show for <laughs> teens. You said for the teens that the teens watch, and is really popular with the teens portuguese teen drama yep yep the degrassi if you will there we go that's, that's a more timely yep. reference people will understand <laughs> so it's yeah like you th- eufo- here it's like euphoria for portuguese teens back in that time <laughs> yeah i think that's what the kids who have hbo are watching are the kids still watching riverdale or is that just like disillusioned millennials uh, i i don't know who's watching <laughs> perverts Pretty Little Lives. No, God damn it. No, God, that's so old. This is the episode where we find out how old we are. So if you're a youth, (laughs) please write in. (laughs) What are you watching? Let us know what all the cool kids watch. God damn it. We're so old. Uh, What's Zendaya doing? All right. Last one. This is a nightmare. (laughs) Oh, good. Oh, good. In, In September 2018, over 100 passengers on a 14 hour flight from Dubai to New York reported symptoms including coughing, sneezing, fever, or vomiting. No, thank you. This is, in a post-pandemic world, this is literally my worst nightmare. I've never been on a plane where I didn't get sick. Yeah. So the CDC actually quarantined the plane in New York, uh, and 11 passengers were sent to the hospital. It was later found that most of the passengers weren't sick. Like, a few were able, a few had been diagnosed with, like, cold or flu. The other passengers had only begun to believe they were sick after observing those around them. So it just kind of, like, spread through the plane, which that's still a bunch of people coughing in an uncirculated metal Yeah, I tube. don't like it. I don't know, but that's Man, this f- pandemic has really ruined us. It's I just yeah. Think of how many times I've gotten a sore throat in the last 6 months and gone, well, this is the end. Yeah, no, I have uh, allergies that have been worse because I didn't fucking go outside all spring, so I didn't like inoculate myself. Every time I have a sore throat or I cough a little, I think I'm going to die. Yeah. And then when I see large groups of people on TV, it freaks me out. God, I was just, I don't even remember what I was watching, but there was like a scene when someone like rolled down the car window and someone like leaned across the window and like leaned into Ah. the car. And I'm like, "Ah." you can't do that. I was playing Pokemon and like looking out in the (laughs) the stands of the people watching my battle. I'm like, no one's wearing a mask. It's it's ruined us. I honestly think like even after... Everything subsides, there's a vaccine, like, it's not going to be, like, normal. Like, I think people are going to be paranoid for a long time. Oh, definitely. I know I'm going to be paranoid for a long time. I mean, I'm going to get that vaccine as soon as they let me. That's the plan. I will camp outside of the <laughs> the doctor's office like I'm waiting for fucking NSYNC tickets. <laughs> or Billie Eilish tickets. <sighs> Who's cool these days? I I live under the... uh understanding that if i have heard of it and am aware of it it's probably not cool anymore yeah uh bts bts it's camping out waiting for bts tickets sure listen i'm not even 30 yet i'm uh... you'll get there Uh, unfortunately and it's looking like it won't be in disneyland as planned yeah i just want everyone in orange county to know i fucking hate you yeah it's I think you actually can't directly blame Orange County for this because they're... Yeah, it's a bunch of Trump-loving, like, shitheads. Red state weirdos, yeah, in the middle of California. I'm sure there's, like, five or six good ones. <laughs> all the Disneyland employees who work out of work. Anyways, so, um, is that, yeah? That's all I've got. Uh, go, there's a whole list on Wikipedia. Please go read that article. I think, yeah, we talked about it earlier, but they are going to make it into a movie. I think house is going to do it. Oh, good. And I, they like trust hired them. a director that was both a woman and of Mexican descent. So it actually does sound promising. I oh, feel like Bloomhouse can be a little hit and miss. but Yeah, I mean, sometimes they pull shit like Unfriended out, but then they also produce, you know, most they, of the good horror movies. Yeah, I was going to say, they put out good stuff. I feel like they also put out a lot of trash, but Michael in Bloom this case... Michael just will produce anything yeah. at this point. I could write him an email today. And he'd probably give you and i don't know what they do in films not in advance eh, just money to make the film yeah here i funded your project go right sure i this is well it's still my favorite time of year but i do enjoy this time of year because universal studios usually makes a couple bloom House movies into uh like mazes for universal studios Ooh. yep none of that this year no well if we haven't depressed you enough you can find us on twitter at afternoonified <laughs> and Instagram at Afternoonified, and getafternoonified.com. And you can also email us at afternoonifiedpod at gmail.com. Tell us what the kids are into these days. Please. Oh, my God. I don't know what songs children are listening to. Cardi B is still a thing? I don't know. I've got nothing for you. I- Nope. You're older I'm than older me. I'm older than me. Yeah, older than you. Um. Yeah, Uh. buy some merch. It's it's good. It's good stuff. The Midge Midge 2020 shirt is gone. Is gone. No, it'll be gone before this episode has gone. Up. Um, who you knows? We might even be gone by this point. <laughs> this comes out day after me... the election. All oh, right, cool. So this, this could be the last transmission. This will be fun to listen to. Actually, we probably won't know the results of the election quite yet on November fourth. So you know what? It'll be fine. We'll we're also be in the recording same state a we new. Now. We're also recording a new episode on that day, which we did with the last election. Which means I afternoonified has been around for four years, which is insane. And B, I might have a mental breakdown again. <laughs> So you have that to look forward to. Anyway, um, remember to rate, subscribe, review. This got really weird at the end, and I'm sorry. (laughs) We're kind of padding the episode a little bit. (laughs) All right, goodbye. Goodbye, we love you. Do you love The Bachelor franchise? Ah, the romance, the adventure, the drama. But do you also kind of hate the Bachelor franchise? Oh yeah, the sexism, the racism, the intense heteronormativity of it all. Here at Date Card, we're just two obsessed queerdos who love to dissect, talk shit, and get blocked by problematic contestants. Yeah, we're here for the good, the bad, and the chad of it all. You can find us on Media, iTunes, and Spotify. Please accept this, Rose!